Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nations, true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past, present and emerging of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning, you are listening to 3CR um, Tuesday Breakfast. In the studio we have me, Zoya, we have Anya and we have George. Good morning everybody. Good Good morning. How are we doing? Yeah, pretty great. Yeah, the time is <laughs> 7 a.m. and Anya has already got the sarcasm out. <laughs> <laughs> we both arrived today and she and I have both been struck down with colds and it's a competition for who is going to Who collapse. looks the most pathetic. <laughs> who looks the most pathetic sitting in front of the microphone. George is behind the panel with, with all the, uh, the panel equipment in front of her, like some kind of um, shield, shield cordoning yes. off zone for so us. So <laughs> while you two go off and get your nice coffees and your nice breakfast wow okay. yeah okay. yeah i can i can i can do this too this joke stuff and yeah. everyone's <laughs> feeling some kind of way this morning i feel like the first two or three minutes of the show every morning has now become let's try and publicly shame every single person in the room that is right we arrived and we're at this point we're at this point i also just need to say quickly if you had a little snippet of Giselle's accent of women, that's just a little teaser for you. It was a technical issue on my behalf, but you can look forward to that actual program in an hour and a half. I think it was absolutely intentional. It's mm. just like you said, it's a taste, it's getting it's everyone taste, going. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's kind of getting everyone going, oh, yes, accent of women, we don't have to listen to, uh, to the Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please don't switch off your radio. Stay with us. <laughs> Talk rubbish to each other. Also, a shout-out to the Radioactive show. They did get some really good audio from the Justice for Walker rally last week and catching just the last bit of that Robbie Walker speech, as always, incredibly powerful. They played a fantastic tune. Robbie Thorpe. Yes. Robbie Thorpe. Yeah, and I'm trying to track down um, the na- the the name of that. I tried to Shazam it, but I think it might be a new one. So I'm oh, going to find okay. that, and hopefully we can play that, that at, at some point. That rally was really, really a powerful, powerful mm. rally. Mm. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good quite, quite, quite a few people and, and a lot of a lot of energy. Yeah, I thought it was great. The the extent to which they were able to shut down. Uh, the center of the city mm. during rush hour was in the rain. In the well. in the rain, yeah, was yeah, yep, absolutely. Good. So, what have we got on for today? We've got some pretty cool stuff coming up. We've got a big show. Yes, yeah. There's 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 a lot to squeeze in. So we'd best we'd best get into it. Um, coming up first, we'll be having a bit of a news rundown. Unfortunately, Chris isn't able to make it in for that, but George is holding the fort together in more ways than one. It's, it's going to just be a very brief, it's, mo- it's um, not so much news headlines, but two things that 
I wanted to talk about. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. It's not comprehensive. But well, these no. are very important topics. It's, yeah, exactly. That's it's you know it's <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> Have you got something to say, Anya? No, nothing. <laughs> don't undersell yourself, George. Yeah, even when I don't say something I'm attached. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Loaded silence. <laughs> It was, it was, it was just, it was a look. It was, anyway, let's, uh, let's just keep rolling with George is, George is spicy today, I like yeah, it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. and, and then after the yeah. news, we have a pre-record, George, that I'm yes. really excited about. So, yes, y- if you've listened to us before, you might have heard us speak with Dr. Nero Kandasami, who has come on to talk about basically uh, refugee issues, Tamil refugees seeking asylum in Australia, also about the politics in Sri Lanka, but we just had the elections and we did have, uh, unfortunately, a pretty devastating result with Rajapaksa being elected. So this is the the brother of the other Rajapaksa, but he was also Defence Minister uh, during the period where uh, Tamil people were slaughtered thousands yeah, and thousands yeah. of Tamil people. So this is a really devastating outcome and we're just unpacking that, what that means, why it happened and linking it to, you know, the Easter Sunday attacks. Uh, there's a whole lot of things. Dr. Nero can can explain it much better than I can. And she's just recently completed her PhD, so we can call her Dr. Nero Amazing. Yeah. And she is also going to be someone who we can call on regularly to give us information Great. because her research is super, super interesting. Amazing. That's going to be so interesting. And then after that, we've got Swati, who is a dear friend of mine, who's also started this project um, advocating for workers with uh, menstrual illnesses. Um, So anyone with an uterus um, can join the project, and it's a really, really cool project. It started maybe two months ago. Um, So we'll hear more about what the project is about and how it started and what they're doing and how you can join them. That's That's such an important thing. Yeah, Mm. and something that... I think we don't cover often, but whenever we cover this kind of stuff, it really matters a lot. Mm. Yeah. And I think the project, um, you know, from the get-go was all about, was very inclusive and it talked about people with uteruses and it didn't position Good. itself as a women's issue or a female issue, which I thought was really um, inclusive and interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely, because that intersection of, um, you know, non, non-cis people who bleed and then their needs as well, mm-hmm. Is so complicated in the workplace. Exactly. It's intersection with workplace rights as well. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. After that, we will have uh, Sabrina Adem from the Drum Youth Services, and she'll be coming in to talk about um, her experience working with young women from similar backgrounds, as well as sharing some of the upcoming events uh, that the Drum Youth Services are holding and hosting. And then finally, at the end of the show, we have uh, Pauline Vachuna. And Pauline Vachuna is a uh, Black Pacific Islander writer and blogger based in Nam. And she is going to be speaking about visibility, an exhibition that she um, is organizing that celebrates identities, bodies and minds of people who identify as having a disability. And that's a very exciting taster for next week, which is a really exciting. We're going to spruik it now. We'll spruik it later on in the show as well yeah, power from the margins oh. it's a great it's a great uh, title for the day so yeah. next week is uh, next tuesday is international day of people living with a disability and 3cr for 12 hours is going to be focused entirely on um, and run by people who are um, black indigenous people of color with disability and so our show is going to um, be adeptly taken over by pauline and some of her colleagues 
Yes, I think that's a day that no one, uh, no one can miss. For it's sure. going to be incredible. So to kick off the show, I'd like to start with the song, and this is bless you, Anya. <laughs> uh, this is by the Lidgetu Sisters, who you might know. I've I've played them before. They're pretty big. They're actually related to Felakuti as well. They were big around the similar a similar time in Nigeria, and their music, their music is incredible. And unfortunately. One of the sisters, Kehinde Lijadu, passed away last week at the age of 71 due to cancer. There's actually a fundraiser for Kehinde's uh, m- memorial service, and I think this is a really important point to highlight because we have these incredible artists who are known all over the world, and they need a fundraiser mm. for their memorial service. So what does it say about black women you know, from the African diaspora making music that then gets, you know, so Nas, mm. the, the rapper, mm-hmm. sampled one of their songs, mm. didn't credit it, gave, oh gave his song the same name. Oh this is the song I'm going to play today. Oh, my word. So, you know, it's, 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 not, it's not crediting um, black female artists. It's all these kinds of issues. But they, yeah, they were, they were super powerful. And I, I, I had a lot of trouble picking which song I wanted to play. But this one, it, it has a political message and a lot of their music does. And I just want to credit it to them, and uh, and we will put a link up to the GoFundMe if you want to support their music. I'm sure a lot of people listening have heard of them as well. This track is called Life's Gone Down Low. But do you know something, baby, life's gone down low, yeah.
Radical Radio Wines are generously sponsored by Breast's Winery in the Harcourt Valley. Specially priced at only $20 a bottle and even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. You can order via phone or online and collect it from 3CR during business hours up until noon on Tuesday the 24th of December. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR. Call the station during business hours on 9419 8377 to order or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Breast Wines is a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Brecky on 3CR. You've got myself, George, Sawyer and Anya in the studio with you this morning. As the Ligidoo sisters said, life has gone down low. It's still going down low since they wrote that song. But we're here and we're working on it and everyone is working on things, hopefully fighting against the system and there is there is definitely work to be done. Absolutely. But yeah, credit to them and their, their incredible music and we were talking during the break about, you know, why haven't some of us heard of them yeah i was i was amazed that i hadn't really heard i mean the song was familiar to me when i did hear it not because of the nas song because i <laughs> don't actually listen to much um hip-hop shamefully but i definitely had heard it growing up as a kid vaguely but yeah. i mean i grew up around a lot of um different african music and i realized as the song was playing the extent to which the african music i heard growing up was mostly male artists yeah and you know 
within my dad's enormous record collection they're probably should they're probably in there but yeah. they weren't regularly played enough to become part of you know, yeah totally. the landscape and that's that's you know not great yeah especially for me as someone who you know has a has family that comes from africa it's yeah and i guess it's like it i feel like with music it's kind of have you need to it, we need to make that conscious effort to find it then yeah to find the artists that who are making this amazing stuff but are not given the platform mm. and it's that kind of that that extra work because we're if we're only getting our <clears throat> our dad's music which is great <laughs> or your dad sounds like he's got some good stuff but he ha- he doesn't know about the Lizardu sisters so you know bringing that in or doing that Absolutely. extra research to yeah uh, but we're gonna we're gonna jump into some news, and wanted to talk about. I think this was probably the biggest news story to come up yesterday. Mm. I'm just gonna read word for word the uh, the little kind of spiel about this from the Guardian's Morning Mail yesterday. But we will have a little brief chat about it as well. So. Uh, classified Chinese government papers have revealed the largest post-Second War mass incarceration of an ethno-religious minority, with more than a million of the nation's Muslim minorities believed to be uh, interns in a vast chain of prison camps. Obtained by the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists and shared with The Guardian, the documents provide apparent confirmation that the Chinese state runs secret involuntary camps for ideological education transformation involving a strict system of total physical and mental control. Former camp inmates have detained have detailed sorry torture, rape and abuse claims, as well as reports of forced labor in the Jing, uh, the Yinjiang province. Chinese authorities deny the existence of detention centres, claiming the camps are part of a focused crackdown on extremism and terrorism. This is massive. We have, we've known about this. The international community has known about this, and particularly Al Jazeera has been doing some really good reporting on it. So if you want to watch... I, I feel like sometimes watching programmes can be a great way to get an introduction to an issue. There are some good programs on Al Jazeera which run through basically what has been going on there over the last couple of years. But this is huge to have this kind of information come out where it is more of a confirmation rather than and not that individual stories aren't, but what what we've what we've been seeing over the last year is people coming out um and saying this is what this is what I've experienced. Mm. Or this is what my family has experienced. Or these are my family members who are missing. Uh, where a lot of Uyghur, so it's the it's the Uyghur mi- minority, Muslim minority. A lot of them have fled to Istanbul and are living in is- Istanbul. Um, but yeah, it's 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 these individual stories that we've been hearing, and to now have this kind of confirmation mm. is a, is a really 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 significant development. And what I've noticed, um, so. Uh, in teaching international politics, I've, I've raised this issue with my students, and most of them haven't heard about haven't heard about it. And it's not an ac- it's not an accident, you know. And we talk mm. about this all the time when an issue isn't in the media. It's not an accident that it's not in the media. It's because the Chinese government didn't want people to know. Yeah. And the other international governments play along as well. Absolutely. The economic interests. Absolutely. From China. Yeah. So Australia being very much a very part of that. Yeah. yeah mm. They were actually at this. <laughs> If you see, so if you watch some of these programs on Al Jazeera, they have, they show you the, the ads that they have. So they, they acknowledge that they had some kind of 
uh, I guess, space where Uyghur people were sort of yeah, living. Yeah, they call it retraining grounds. Oh, yes. Vocational yeah. training. Yeah. Vocational training campuses. Yes. Or yeah. And yeah. in the videos, everyone's sitting in these classrooms mm. and they're like talking about learning things and it's just about, you know, be, as a minority, you know, you need to get a job and mm. all these kinds of things. And it's just blatant lies, like 100%. Mm. Um, and for this to be, there to be so much silence about this, uh, mm. as you said, Anya, because of various states' vested interests in aligning with China. Mm. You know, now that we have US kind of pulling out as the the, the world power the and China power, stepping yeah. into that role, yeah. And now countries are needing to have that kind of cushy relationship. Mm. It's yeah, the fact that this is this this has been happening and there's been silence is is is, is horrific. Yeah, that that big focus in from the Chinese government of there being a sort of mono mono ethnic perception or mono ethnic um, identity in China and yes. perpetuating that through a variety of things, including things like camps, but even on the more minor level of, um, you know, uh, um, ha- you know, moving people around, moving Han Chinese people around China mm-hmm. and embedding them in, in areas where ethnic minorities are the majority yeah. in order to sort of supersede that and have a different form of more kind of cultural genocide whilst also yes. enacting a, 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 an actual genocide. Yeah. Well, they're both genocides, but you, you know what I mean? A physical genocide in effect. Um, is it's yeah it's, it, it really demonstrates I think these papers really show they underline what we already knew as you said and in particular underline the systemic approach that is being taken to this yes absolutely and and I'll share these there's two programs in Jazeera that I think uh, are good uh, for us to kind of uh, to watch to get across but there's an academic who's living in Istanbul his name's Abdulali he's featured in one of these programs and he basically he's being a, a huge advocate and leader in his community and explaining what's going on so uh, yeah it's um, it's really really important for us I guess because of that silence to be to be aware there's something else that I was going to say but I lost it um, but if there's anything do you have anything else you want to raise before we not for the moment, but we can always come back to it if you remember what you were going to yeah. say, George. Haven't re- it might come back to me after, <laughs> after this. Maybe we'll um, get you a coffee, get your brain moving. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So, we're going to move on now to the interview with Dr. Nira Kandasamy. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, we were talking about the recent election results with Rajapaksa. And what this means. So, without further ado, this is Dr. Nero Kandasami. You're listening to Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR with myself, George. In the studio, we have a regular guest now, I'd have to say, Nero Kandasami, Dr. Nero Kandasami, who is a Tamil Studies researcher at the University of Melbourne and whose research is so comprehensive that I, I, couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't describe it all well right now, but it very much relates to what we're talking about today with the recent results of Sri Lanka's presidential election. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So, talk us through the election results of the last weekend. 
Yeah, so essentially what happened um, in this third presidential election since the end of the Civil War in 2009 in Sri Lanka was that the former wartime defense secretary, Gotabaya Rajapaksha, has won the Sri Lankan uh, presidential election, uh, defeating 34 other candidates, and he's the main contender, Sajith Premadasa, from the UNP party. And so... Was this, did you expect this? You know, what, what was the sentiment around this? Yeah. So I think in the aftermath of the Easter Sunday attacks, um, Gothabaya ran a campaign of fear, um, playing on the fear of Sri Lankan, um, the Sri Lankan Sinhalese community mainly. Um, and he ran on a campaign that was based on national security. Um, he is a, he is seen as a wartime hero among the majority Sinhalese community. So in some ways, the results, the presidential election results are not surprising. Um, but I think more broadly, regardless of who won the presidential elections, the outcomes for the minority groups in Sri Lanka would be the same. Um, so we would continue to see human rights abuses against the minority Tamil and Muslim communities. However, what we I think are likely to see now with the election of another Rajapaksha regime is the intensification of that violence mm -hmm. against uh, Tamil and Muslim communities on the island. Yeah, and I'd like to unpack more the previous Rajapaksha regime, but I think your point there about that um, the campaign of fear and we can definitely relate to that here in Australia and how that can be used so effectively. And, and the fact that, as you said, that he's seen as a war hero, mm -hmm. given yeah. his history, is just, it, it, it's horrific. Yeah, absolutely horrific. I mean, the United Nations has repeatedly accused uh, Gautabai as a military of committing numerous abuses during the final stages of the civil war. Um, these abuses include torture, extradition, uh, extrajudicial killings, repeated shellings in the no-fire zone. Um, just earlier this year, in fact, Gautabaya was sued in the United States for authorising um, the killing of a prominent Sri Lankan journalist and the torture of a Tamil person. Um, so this lawsuit also includes allegations of rape, torture and brutal interrogations in army camps and police stations during his time as Defence Secretary. Gautabaya has dismissed all of these allegations against mm. him as, I, and I quote, baseless um, and being politically motivated. And so what we're seeing here is a return of a government that continues to deny that it oversaw the mass killings of Tamil civilians. Um, and when I say mass killings, UN reports are inconclusive, but the closest and most precise estimates we have are that almost 150,000 people are still missing. And we still have thousands of families who are waiting um, to hear about their loved ones who disappeared um, after, the, after the Civil War, who were taken away by the army under under the Rajapaksha government. Mm. And what we're seeing now is a return of this government um, that is accused of all of these war crimes. Mm. And so, you know, that question of justice, when, when will there be justice? When will families know about these yeah, missing family members? That's right. And those numbers, that's, yeah, just, it, it's really hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. In 2013, Sri Lanka's People's Tribunal Session um, essentially concluded that what happened during those last stages of the civil war amounted to genocide. So this is the return of a Rajapaksha regime that is essentially a genocidal government. And so what, what are your thoughts on 
I mean, you've touched on, particularly with the singular community, the kind of the ideas around Rajapaksa. Mm. But in terms of in Australia, from the international community, mm. obviously the UN has called attention to this. They acknowledge this. Mm. But where do other countries stand? You know, what kinds of narratives are we seeing mm. around Rajapaksa? Yeah, so one thing to remember is that during those final stages of the war, we now have evidence to suggest that Western countries, including the United States, the United Kingdom, Australia, were complicit in this process. So when we have these Western states who who have essentially supported the Rajapaksha regime in carrying out their mass killings of civilians, it becomes very difficult um, to see that the relationship between Sri Lanka and these other states is likely to change, given there was silence during that time. And there has been silence since then. So, for example, in Australia, um, both Labour and Liberal coalition governments have continued and deepened their relationship with Sri Lanka since the end of the war. Um, we saw that Tony Abbott gave naval uh, vessels earlier this year. We had the largest defence engagement between Sri Lanka and Australia. So, as as Tamils, as minority communities, the question is, is anything going to change with the return of a Rajapaksha government? And I fear the answer is no. Mm, yeah. And those links, that, that vested interest that Australia has in, exactly. in upholding that denial. If you've just tuned in, I'm speaking with Dr. Nero Kandasamy, who is a Tamil studies researcher at the University of Melbourne. We're talking about the results of last week's presidential election in Sri Lanka. You only call me when you need something. I need to be free. Tune in to Power from the Margins. 3CR's broadcast for International Day of People with Disability on 3rd of December from 7am to 7pm will feature BIPOC perspectives, live music, artists and discussions. For details, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2019. Tilda is one of only a handful of trans and gender diverse film festivals in the world and is returning to Footscray Community Arts Centre from Thursday the 28th of November to the following Sunday. Tilda showcases the works of TGD filmmakers and artists and films that have TGD content for TGD people, allies and the wider community. Check out the full program and get tickets at tildemelbourne.com. That's T-I-L-D-E melbourne.com, a 3CR supporter. So, coming back to Rajapaksa's brother Mahinda, can you tell us a bit more about him, but also some recent news that we've just found out this afternoon? Yeah, so Mahinda Rajapaksa became the president in 2005. Um, He won again in 2010, and he was very popular amongst the majority Sinhalese government, particularly for his role in defeating the Liberation Tigers of Tamil Ulam in 2009. He narrowly lost the election to Maithripala Sirisena in 2015, who was also his former um, cabinet colleague. 
he before he was defeated in 2015, his government was accused of being corrupt. Um, there were allegations of you know high levels of nepotism, uh, repression, which made him unpopular. But again, I think the sentiment since then has has changed, and that was evident in the election results from the south of the island. Mm. Um, that people again were unhappy with the Sirisena government since 2015. And so the return of a Rajapaksha government um, essentially for them symbolised a return of strongman politics. Um, and we've just heard news that Mahinda Rajapaksha will now be the Prime Minister of Sri Lanka. So it's likely that we're going to see a return of a Rajapaksha dynasty um, in every sense of the word. Yeah. And that and that point about strongman politics, you know, we see this happening globally mm-hmm. and that this kind of this push to have these kinds of leaders in power that that almost mm-hmm. put people at ease when they do really mm-hmm. take in these narratives about these histories and, and, and this denial. That's right. I mean you had almost seven million people in Sri Lanka who had voted um for Gotabaya Rajapaksha. Um, so this is a man, despite, you know, these are people who, despite being, knowing that he's been accused of all of these war crimes, have voted for him nonetheless. And despite, despite observations that there was a high voter turnout, particularly in the north and east, um, the results show that the overwhelming number of voters in the north and the east, the Tamil-occupied areas, voted against the Rajapaksha government. Yeah. So when he comes out and he says that um, this election was democratic and it's representative of the community in Sri Lanka, I think that's blatantly false. Yeah. How can it be when there are minorities? That's right. How, how can they have a voice? Exactly. Yeah. And so I guess this kind of relates to some recent quotes that uh, Rajapaksa has made talking about how he wants Tamil and Muslim minorities to be stakeholders in the community uh, and to be true Sri Lankan citizens. And he didn't get the response that he'd hoped for in relation to that. And I'm kind of uh, wondering if you can comment on that and that kind of narrative that he's trying to pull there. Yeah, I mean, it's not surprising, I think, you know, since independence, Sri Lankan governments have led their political campaigns based on singular Buddhist nationalist ideas. So every election campaign is underpinned by that same ideology that Sinhalese and Buddhist Sinhalese nationalism is the driving force that governs the country. So in many ways, it's unsurprising that he's, you know, his, his first speech as president of Sri Lanka has touched on those different ideas that really don't speak to minority communities on the island and is really just reinforcing an ideology that is so deeply entrenched in Sri Lankan politics and Sri Lankan governance. Yeah, so there is no difference between us. We are all Sri Lankan. We all have the same needs. We all, yeah, yeah. And so, and these other ideas of um, corruption will never be tolerated under his administration. What would be your comment on that one? It's a bit ironic. Yeah. Um, it's very ironic yeah. coming from a man who's, as, as defense secretary, he basically destroyed, he undertook a genocide of the Tamil population. And to me, it wouldn't come as a surprise if he began to use the same tactics for uh, Muslim communities on the island. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and obviously I guess there's this strong link. You know, often when we talk about corruption, it's put on countries in the global south that oh they're just so corrupt, but then we don't go back and look at colonization, which produced that. Exactly. And created the conditions for corruption to be a commonplace in governments mm-hmm. and organizations. Absolutely. I mean, remembering that Sri Lanka has been colonized by the Dutch, the Portuguese, the British. When the British left, uh, the country was already in a, in a state of turmoil. Um, so I think definitely those, those conditions, those colonial conditions, um, are, are significant to understanding the development of Sri Lankan politics since 1948. Yeah, uh, yeah. obviously they should never have been there in the first place, but the fact that they were there once they had left, they should not have left you know, th- one group in, in control of the government that was never going to exactly. create a- good outcomes for. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I guess you know, this is obviously painting a, a very bleak picture, but this, this is the reality at the moment, and I'm, I'm wondering what your thoughts are on moving forward, what what work needs to be done both within Sri Lanka in terms of the media, but also what work do we need to do here and with your work at the Tamil Refugee Council and, and 3CR and the, the 3CR community? I think as a community that understands this history, um, it's really important to continue arguing for the rights of these minority communities and their political aspirations. So first and foremost, it's important to never forget the past and to continue to to share those histories with the wider community. Um, what happened in 2009 and continues to happen in Sri Lanka, not just the Tamil communities, obviously, but other minority communities on the island, is that they are being silenced. So I think for us in the West, here in Australia, what we can do is really understand what they want, what they want, what, what are their aspirations. Um, they want justice for the Tamil families in the North whose, fam- whose family members have disappeared. They want justice. And what we can do is raise awareness and keep calling on the Australian government um, to ask the Sri Lankan government, what are you doing to give these people justice. Mm. Yeah, and as a close neighbour, we cannot be silent. Exactly. Absolutely. Australia has, as I said earlier, deepening ties with Sri Lanka. We've got an increasing military engagement with Sri Lanka. And despite all of this, Australia continues to deport asylum seekers and refugees who are fleeing these countries for danger, due to danger. So, as I think as activists and scholars and people who are generally just interested, we need to keep asking those important questions. Why does the Australian government ignore these massive human rights abuses that are happening in Sri Lanka? Mm. Yeah. I think that point that you've raised around, you know, it's bearing witness as that that is being the first and foremost the thing that we need to be doing when there is that denial. And I know in in my community, in the burger community, there Mm. is a lot of silence about the treatment of Tamil the persecution of Tamil people in Sri Lanka, there is that mm-hmm. silence there. So bearing witness very much as, as a big part of that process. Mm-hmm. But then your second point about how do we, uh, in terms of transnational sol- solidarity in Australia, mm-hmm. connect with perhaps grassroots organisations and activists that are doing this work and are saying this is what we need and this is what we need from the international community. Absolutely. And I think... Um, a part of that, obviously, is to have these discussions so that the wider community understands what's happening. Um, but also, 
it's important to to think about okay so what can we do now right how can we how can we help these families and i think continuing things like continuing to pressure the united nations continuing to to pressure the australian government about its silence continuing to ask even just our neighbors and our families um about why there is such a silence yeah yeah where about the past and where that comes from yeah. and why yeah. why that silence continues to exist yeah. right and the and the privileges and and how certain groups have benefited from yeah that's right absolutely yeah. Nira, thank you so much for your time. Obviously, this is an ongoing conversation and you have a huge amount of knowledge in this in this area and would be really important for us to continue to talk about this in the, in the coming weeks and months as we see uh, more about the, the outcomes of this election. Yeah, thank you for having me. That was Dr. Nira Kandasamy, who is a Tamil studies researcher at the University of Melbourne. Tuesday breakfast on 3CR. Uh, we just heard a little interview with Dr. Nira Kandasamy on the Sri Lankan election result. And I just want to credit the artist that was Sudan Archives, Not For Sale, a great track to, to hear the whole of if you have a chance. And thank you so much to Dr. Nira Kandasamy for her time in sharing that, that information with us as an academic, bringing her knowledge into activist spaces mm-hmm. Uh, for listeners I think is really powerful so we look forward to future interviews with her Mm, Amazing, thanks George Right now we're going to be talking to Swathi about a very important project that she has founded Hi Swathi, how are you? Hi guys, good morning Good morning, thank you so much for joining us today Um, Tell us about this project I haven't said anything so it's it's a complete surprise Oh, that's that's very wonderful (laughs) around 7.30 in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hi. So basically um, our initiative is called the Vermilion Project or TVP for short. Um, And basically the mission is to support workers with menstrual health conditions and invisible illnesses um, in the workplace. Um, But our overall sort of um, message is to promote the social and economic participation of people with menstrual health conditions and invisible illnesses. And when I talk about menstrual health conditions, we're talking about things like endometriosis, Mm -hmm. adenomyosis, people with chronic pelvic pain, um, and a whole range of issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And we use invisible illnesses as sort of like the umbrella term for any medical condition that isn't visible to others. Mm -hmm. Um, And but also, you know, more commonly, it's also about mental health as well. Yeah, that's really interesting because, I mean, especially about the invisible illnesses because um, even, you know, illnesses like endo and PCOS and all of those, they're usually misdiagnosed or undiagnosed and, you know, there's more understanding about it now, but it wasn't like that maybe even, you know, five years ago. So I think more will exactly. come up. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we're hoping more will come up, but, mm. I mean, a really huge reason that... um. We chose to focus on um, 
we made a mental health conditions kind of its own thing was for one reason is that um, the people that are part of the project, so our core team, are people with lived experiences of menstrual health conditions. Mm. Um, and one of the huge problems, just like you said, is the massive delay in diagnosis for people who experience some symptoms like chronic pelvic pain and nausea and headaches. And a really big problem with the diagnosis is that um, women just, you know, across studies, it's just noted that when they present with symptoms of pain, Mm. it'll just take them longer to actually be treated properly or even receive something as simple as pain medication. So the issue that we're having is when people um, are presenting with, you know, these sorts of symptoms to their general practitioners or doctors, they're often being turned away or they're just being told that they're crazy. Mm, (laughs) Um, So the problem that we have then is that these symptoms obviously have a significant impact on someone's quality of life um, and the further away you get from a diagnosis from being told, you know, it's just pain, you need to go away, um, pushes them away from actually getting any reasonable treatment um, and then that again then has an impact on their quality of life, their ability to wake up in the morning and go to work every day and, you know, just go about their lives as normal Mm. Um, and what we're seeing is a lot of people being forced to make some really difficult decisions in the workplace or become really vulnerable targets in the workplace for things like workplace bullying, but also just being pressured to take demotions or lesser versions of the jobs that they deserve. Yeah, absolutely. And just about the project itself, this is a two-parter question. How did it start? Where was the inspiration from? And can you tell me about the name, the Vermilion bit? Why is that? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. I mean, um, how it started is actually quite special. Um, so right now we've got a very small and humble um, core team of um, proudly led by um, people of colour. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it started was um, so one of our main pro- the main project leader on our team, her name is Tori Hobbs. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually went to high school together um, a really really long time ago. Um, but it was actually quite adorable because basically um, the whole idea for this project came about during quite, I would say, a really low, difficult period of my life. Mm. Um, it was a time when I was sort of struggling with my, sort of on my own journey with figuring out what was going on with my own menstrual health. And um, while this was happening, I remember going on Facebook and seeing this um, this status that Tori had posted just about something that she was going through um, and going on this journey as get being diagnosed with a menstrual health condition. Um, and I remember reading it and feeling quite um, quite connected. And we mm. hadn't spoken in like a really large number of years. Mm. Um, and I just randomly sent her a message on Facebook and I said, hey, I'm so glad that you spoke about this. Um, it would be really great to, um, to have a chat sometime. You know, I'm really struggling with this. And to my surprise, she replied. Um, and we kind of just kept talking and she would just randomly send me like, you know, self-care messages like, are you okay? You can talk to me whenever you need. And then about a year later, um, uh, when this idea really started to take shape, um, I kind of reached out to her again and I said, hey, you know, I've got this idea to start a project and help people like you and me um, and you're the first person that I want to come on board and to my, you know, 
to um, her credit um, and also my appreciation, she said yes, she came on board. Um, she's really been instrumental in sort of shaping the way that we um, deliver our message and to make sure that we're being really inclusive um, because a lot of people will notice as well is that we quite deliberately use the language as um, people who menstruate or people with uteruses mm-hmm. when we talk about menstrual health conditions because, of course, we need to recognise that it's not always an exclusive space for people um, the, who are trans um, mm. or who just identify with any other gender identity. Mm. Um, and so, of course, if you have a uterus, you menstruate, and that's the message that we want to deliver. Um, and yeah. sorry, you asked about the name as yeah. well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, it's got like religious and cultural significance. A lot of people have the same sort of puzzled look when they see the name. Mm. Um, but it's actually really special. So Vermilion in um, Tamil, which is my mother tongue, um, and Anya, I think you understand yeah. well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is actually Kungumam, which is um, so it's the really brightly coloured red pigment or cinnabar um, that is quite normally applied to the forehead, as mm. like the bindi. Yeah. Um, and used in temples, um, but also so it has that really great cultural significance. And you know, in our culture, when a girl first gets her period, it's like they do like this big party where they say you've become a woman, and they you know they apply the vermilion to your forehead and they sort of adorn the girls, and it's meant to be this sort of like welcome to womanhood mm-hmm. party. <laughs> um, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Really, yeah, to us it was really about this sort of um this binding sort of symbol and this um, the colour of red, you know, being the mm. colour of blood, which was really quite great. But also because when we talk about things like invisible illnesses, because it's something that you can't see, for us that colour of red, the cultural mm-hmm. significance yeah. um, and the fact that it goes through your entire life on that journey was, was really special. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's a naturally occurring pigment as well. And I don't know, we just had, I just, I've always had that word in my head um, and it kind of stuck for the name. So we kind yeah. of went with it. That's yeah. really cool. I mean, I, I thought about that when I saw the project made sense to me. And, and I was also thinking how, you know, in, in, in Hindu culture or in Tamil culture maybe specifically, when you do get your period, you know, you're not allowed to do anything religious or go to the temple or whatever. And it sort of, it was sort of subverting what vermilion meant um, for people who, you know, bleed for more than the, you know, the usual four days or whatever. And then what, they just kept out of religious activities for, a, for two weeks, for a month, you know, and that's how I... Um, thought about it as well. So I thought it was a very interesting name and I just wanted listeners to yeah, yeah think about the name. Yeah, no, no, absolutely, definitely. And and not just about the whole, um, you know, during religious time, stay away because you're dirty, that whole message. Mm. Um, but also like, you know, just in general, the idea that a lot of girls from Southeast Asian cultures are encouraged not to use tampons yeah. um, when they menstruate. And that obviously locks you out from being able to fully participate in a lot of the other things. But mm. more import- more than that, it just kind of locks you out from a choice or from making that choice for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, we're really about um, taking a really intersectional approach and being led by people of colour. We really want to um, create, a, be able to share more diverse stories of um, yeah people who menstruate basically yeah absolutely and you know we can talk about this forever but unfortunately we have to wrap up the chat but um before we do that can how do people find your project what can they do to join the project what do you need 
Absolutely. We're in a huge recruitment mode. If you've got a story um, or you have a lived experience of, um, you know, being at work with a menstrual illness um, or invisible illness, get in touch with us on Facebook, the, Verm- the Vermilion Project. Um, we have a website, vermilionproject.com. We're on Instagram as well, but Facebook and Instagram are usually the best ways, but um, get in touch on the website, vermilionproject.com with one L. Beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Swathi, and all the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Tune in to Power from the Margins, 3CR's broadcast for International Day of People with Disability on 3rd of December. From 7am to 7pm, we'll feature BIPOC perspectives, live music, artists and discussions. For details, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2019. Tilda is one of only a handful of trans and gender diverse film festivals in the world and is returning to Footscray Community Arts Centre from Thursday the 28th of November to the following Sunday. Tilda showcases the works of TGD filmmakers and artists and films that have TGD content for TGD people, allies and the wider community. Check out the full program and get tickets at tildemelbourne.com. That's T-I-L-D-E melbourne.com, a 3CR supporter. You're listening to Tuesday Brekkie on 3CR with myself, George, Anya and Zoya. I'm so excited to share this track with you. I've been busting to share it. I wanted to share it last week and I couldn't and I got angry at everybody and then today I got angry at everyone because I thought that maybe I wasn't going to get to share it again and they're all (laughs) getting a bit frustrated with me. But Amalu, one of my favourite artists, just released her new EP. It is so good. And I want to play my favourite track at the moment. So I think we, I probably played Northside already because that was released before the EP. So the, the EP is called Ama Who, and this track is called Better. Enjoy. If you heard me, I wasn't speaking Tell me that you saw, no, I wasn't peeking Don't let my ghost be forsaken I was waiting on y'all to feel my great being Cause you know I'm so much better Oh, running to it's just right I've been watching the whole time My particular is not pride, yeah, yeah Fuck those whispers in your circle, I will never lead in Snakes redefining terms and they named his best friends Pigeons were birds that we tried saving But I'll never waste time on the same bitch again Cause I can be so much better Anticipate the sunrise, it won't buy you some more time I won't see you in my next life, yeah, yeah Cause I'm made to be better No, I was never worried about the pressure no reason 
competition's fake, it'll come from seasons. There's only one that more than me when they say it. I'm all over mood boards at your label. Oh, I see you try. They say they raised me good, born in 98. Oh, come for me again, that'd be your mistake. I'm violent, but you won't be safe. No need for it, my But I still won't see you in my next life, yeah, yeah Cause it makes you be better No, I wasn't even thinking about the pressure Say I'm on the next for whatever, whatever You got that be lies, I wouldn't be wise You know I could be better, better Don't disconnect your phone lines I'll make time this I run into fires, yeah, you've seen it Cause I mastered this blaze before I'm so sick, yeah, I'm so sick of we friends Take mine, take mine the same shit that you be speaking Let's see who survives that all Cause I made you be better oh, oh, oh. No, I don't give a fuck about your pressure What's up? Hello, are you okay? You called me, sorry I was in the shower. Um, you're listening to Tuesday Brecky on 3CR. I really hope you enjoyed that track from Amalu from her new EP. It's called Amahu, and that track is called Better. Every track on that EP is incredible. Was that, was, so was that middle bit, like... That was part of the song? So or was that someone end, calling you? No, no, no. That, no, it actually wasn't someone calling me. So so you can listen to it. I faded it out, actually. But she calls her mum, and she's like, Mum, I finished it. I'm finally finished. And she does it in, like, a British accent. But it's, it's really funny. She just, like, yells into it. Um, so, yeah. You are, you are beaming from ear to ear right now, Because George. she's, like, my favourite, one of my favourite artists of all time, and I was waiting for this EP for so long because the single came out. It was, it, was a, it was a great, great song. And Thank you for you know, validating at, that. At, at the end of the show, hop onto our Instagram, and in our stories you'll see a delightful little video of, of George having a boogie to it without... <laughs> you can't dance. Without so realising that I'm filming me. her. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> 
we're all about we're all, we're all about stalking our co-hosts here in a, a 3CR. Um, but right now in the studio we have uh, Sabrina Adem, a peer leader at the Drum Youth Services, to talk about all the really sort of cool, interesting work uh, that she does with young women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds. Good morning, Sabrina. Hello. How are you going? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, just to start off, can you just briefly explain what the Drum Youth Services is? Yeah, cool. Um, should have written something down. <laughs> That's okay, it's um, just you know, off the top yeah, of your head. So we basically do a bunch of programs for young people around the estates um, in the city of Melbourne and also run events such as like, um, what's it called? <laughs> um, the, vo- the block party? Yeah, we do the block parties and we do voice fest and we do like all different sorts of festivals like aiming towards people of colour and like making, you know, spaces for them specifically to feel mm. comfortable. Yeah. So you're sort of based around the kind of Carlton Parkville sort of yeah. area. We're yeah, we're expanding out to like different areas mm. and stuff and mm. a bit of Yarra, mm. which is cool, yeah. Fantastic. And so you're a peer leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is a peer leader? What is a peer leader? A peer leader's like kind of like the middle person like um there's a you know support worker and then there's the young people and you kind of want to know like what the young people are thinking and you know um you know you become that middle um (laughs) young person that tells you like kind of like what the young people are interested in and you're that person that young people are comfortable to just like hey by the way like why haven't this happened or da 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 like yeah yeah they tell you things that you can like then go and tell organizations and stuff Okay, so you're sort of you're sort of the young person that the other young people trust yeah, to to the, talk to. The edgy young person. <laughs> the edgy young person. Well, I mean, you are wearing a Dragon Ball Z T-shirt right now that is pretty amazing. So you know, you're in you're in with the youth. I didn't even recognise it as a Dragon Ball Z T-shirt. <laughs> edgy, I, I don't said. quite know what Dragon Ball Z is. Zoya. I'm old. No, if you're old, you would know this. I, I don't. I never watched it. I don't know. I don't even quite understand what Pokemon is. So. Oh I my know. god. Okay, let's. Anyway, back to the interview. Um, what made you want to become a peer leader? Oh, um, that's a good question. I, um, yeah, I guess I always went to program as a kid. Um, really loved going and like you know being a part of all the things that they did and stuff and the activities they ran and there was a job opening um that kind of like was just there and I was like oh I don't know at first I was like I'm not qualified like what do I know and they were kind of like you don't need experience you just like just got to be yourself and be good at communicating Mm. things and I was like okay let's do it (laughs) and yeah this is where I am and I really love it how long you been doing it for um, two years now. Oh no, a year and a, just no two years. That's yeah. awesome. That's that's really really great. Um, so what's you know as a peer leader, you work closely with young women from similar backgrounds to yeah. yourself. What's the best part about working with you know your own community? It's crazy because um, the people I work with now, I was like their prep buddies, <laughs> and now they're like these grown people that have their own personalities and. Yeah, they're just, they're so cool. And, yeah, like, I feel so not cool. <laughs> but they're like, yeah, they've got their own personalities. And it's it's just so strange working with, like, your people. It doesn't feel like work. It feels like mm. you're just hanging out, you know. And at times, like, I forget that, like, you know, they're just, like, 12 or 13 and they're not, like, because they're so, like, mature and, like, 
creative and like talented people and like getting to work with them and yeah getting paid to do it too like mm. that's a plus yeah what do you think is the value of having say you know a peer leader who is part of the community what does that bring to it yeah um I think it brings like genuineness like I feel like it's because you're working for your community you care more about the work you do mm. and there's just like you know there's like information that you know they'll be so much more comfortable telling you than they will like any other support worker and yeah like I don't know and also the fact that you're still a young person like they won't it's not like anything's forced like mm. everything's so you're just talking and you're just like doing events and you're just running things together and yeah it's like a really comfortable environment and it's just cool <laughs> that sounds amazing yeah. I can imagine though you know as wonderful as it sounds that there are some challenges working in the youth sector yeah. what do you think some of the most difficult parts of the work that you do if, if there even are any difficult yeah. parts I don't know <laughs> I, yeah um I feel like maybe just walking around like I feel like people kind of associate you as like the young person not the young person as the um community person mm. um it, it hasn't been like really challenged for me but I've seen it become a challenge for others who work in community mm. and like um being that person that anyone goes to at any time like out of like work hours and stuff yeah. and just like unloading a lot um people like feel really comfortable and like don't really know that you know it's not it's not always comfortable for the person to like you know get that load on yeah. randomly in the middle of the street yeah but like I don't know that's also like just community I guess and yeah. it's hard to be like to your neighbors be like oh like I'm actually not at work right now and mm. you can't be talking about certain things like mm. it's just it's a bit difficult but yes, like, me, yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just getting myself some milk can you yeah, not yeah. talk to me it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah like personally I haven't experienced that mm. but I've heard like I've heard it happen to mm. past youth workers that you know I used to go to programs with and for me it's more been like Sabrina Last time we didn't get chocolate cake, we had to make lasagna. I didn't want to make lasagna for boys group. And it's like, <laughs> I don't work in boys group. <laughs> but they're like, you know what I mean? But I don't, yeah. I don't mind that. I feel like that's okay. But Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's, yeah, I find that, that that's a really interesting perspective, that idea of working in, in community and the, the good and the intersections of that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned making lasagna and chocolate cake, <laughs> so clearly you do a lot of events and things. Yeah. <laughs> um, what kind of events are coming up, and how can young people living in the area, involved in the area, get involved in these events? Yeah, um, so we've got an Instagram page, we've got Facebook, we've got, we've got it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so far, for the Young Women's Group, we've got a podcasting um, five-week program where you can learn how to make your own podcasts, um, we might be going to a radio station to check it out. Um, we went vox popping last week. It was pretty cool. Um, was super nervous. The girls were not. Um, <laughs> they were so comfortable. Like, hey, you on the street, come here now. I got questions for you. I love that because I can't do it. So I, I like it takes me a good half an hour to. Be Literally, to I was like, all right, let's just talk to each other. Let's, let's find the targeted person. Mm. They were like, no, nah, the first person that walks through. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like, oh. yeah, it really builds your confidence. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. So if people want to learn about events that are coming up, they can just find you on Facebook yeah, um, and Instagram. And Instagram. Um, so what are the handles for that? Um, the Drum Melb mm. or Underground Women. Um, just, yeah, find out. The Underground Women page is private, though. Yeah. So just request to follow us and 
yeah, it's like we post stuff that the girls are doing and stuff, mm. and like we want to remain private. So yeah, absolutely, we keep the page private until like you're all a part of the program. Mm. But if you go to the Drum Melb, then everything's just there, and you can check out what we do. Fantastic. And yeah. do you have a physical location? Yeah, um, 100 Drummond Street, or we've got a new site at North Melbourne, 49 Bunkle Street. Okay, fantastic. Cool. Well, Serena, (laughs) thank you so much for coming in, talking about being a peer leader. It sounds like such a fantastic thing to be doing. I'm super jealous. Just go to hang out and make chocolate cake. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's so fun. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. QR Code is an LGBTIQA plus health podcast made by queers. Across eight episodes, hear us engaging with our communities, discussing diverse and intersecting topics on In Your Face on the last Friday of every month or download from 3cr.org.au forward slash QR Code. And follow us on Facebook at QR Code 3CR, funded by the City of Yarra. Tune in to Power from the Margins, 3CR's broadcast for International Day of People with Disability on 3rd of December. From 7am to 7pm, we'll feature BIPOC perspectives, live music, artists and discussions. For details, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2019. Tilda is one of only a handful of trans and gender diverse film festivals in the world and is returning to Footscray Community Arts Centre from Thursday the 28th of November to the following Sunday. Tilda showcases the works of TGD filmmakers and artists and films that have TGD content for TGD people, allies and the wider community. Check out the full program and get tickets at tildemelbourne.com. That's T-I-L-D-E melbourne.com, a 3CR supporter. in the 1960s, many people fought for their basic human rights. The right to walk into shops, cinemas, try on clothes, swim in a public pool, to buy a cuppa from a local cafe, and of course the right to vote. They are part of the movement changing the world. One man, Eddie Kweki Mabo, took the fight to the highest establishments in the land. He challenged the most powerful laws of the country. A legacy of a courageous man, a freedom fighter, a deep thinker, a free spirit, a father, son and brother. A person connected to the history and a visionary that saw long into the future. He knew that things must change for his people. The messenger breathes his truth with the native tongue. For the future, the journey, an important one. His story was one about birthright. History will remember this great fight. That moment terranally is abolished Planted a seed for our people to be acknowledged Inspire minds with missions of sovereignty Reclaim our heritage, reclaim our identity A warrior stands for its beliefs What is a chief if he never learns to lead? 
Carry the flags when the name are created for us and tell our stories so our children believe. George Mai said we deserve the best. The time for change is here. Stand proud and show our strength. And in this moment, may we never forget. Don't support the battles for us to get respect. Radical Radio Wines are generously sponsored by Breast Winery in the Harcourt Valley. Specially priced at only $20 a bottle and even cheaper by the dozen or half dozen. You can order via phone or online and collect it from 3CR during business hours up until noon on Tuesday the 24th of December. Perfect as a gift or to fill a raised glass to toast 3CR. Call the station during business hours on 9419 8377 to order or go to 3cr.org.au forward slash shop. Breast Wines is a 3CR supporter. On Thursday 28th of November at 12pm, environment groups and communities from across Victoria will peacefully rally together at Parliament to call for urgent action for our natural world. After five years of the Andrews government, nature deserves more, especially in the face of climate change. Victorians need new and better funded national parks, stronger nature laws and better protection for our threatened forests, rivers, beaches, oceans and native plants and animals. We need real action for our natural places and wildlife now. Join in the Nature for Life rally. Bring a sign to highlight the natural places you love that deserve better protection. 
See you on Parliament Steps, Thursday 28th of November at 12pm. Look for Nature for Life Rally on Facebook and visit Victoria National Parks Association website vnpa.org.au forward slash rally. VNPA is a 3CR supporter.
to Power on the Margins, 3CR's broadcast for International Day of People with Disability on 3rd of December. From 7am to 7pm, we'll feature BIPOC perspectives, live music, artists and discussions. For details, visit 3cr.org.au forward slash Disability Day 2019. You're listening to Tuesday Brekkie on 3CR with myself, George, Zoya, Anya. We are coming towards the end of the show, but we've got a couple more things to do before we leave you today. Just to mention some tracks that we played. So we heard Koaki by Mo Power, really, really great tune. And we also listened to Thelma Plum, Homecoming Queen. Mm. Mm. Can I also say quickly, I know I've been saying this all year, but how is it almost December? This is the big news. How is it? Wow. It's the end of the year. Is this what you've been mulling over that whole time during that song? I thought you were going to come up with something really deep and like, I don't know. Well, you know, time is fluid. It's not just that. It's a new new decade. I know. 2020. It's madness. I, 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 yeah. (laughs) Anything to say to that, Zoya? All all I can think about right now (laughs) is I saw a picture of Lizzo um, on Instagram last night because she was at the... uh, the um, music awards or what are, what are they called? The, the American, AMAs, yeah. American Music Awards. Mm. And she was amazing dress and then this ridiculously tiny, tiny handbag, handbag yeah. that was like smaller than her nails. It was amazing, this <laughs> handbag. It's a little Valentino and handbag. And she tweeted about it and she asked people to help her Photoshop her image um, into making her small and the handbag really big. And just, if you have Twitter, just go and read the thread and see all the Photoshopped oh, images. Oh, okay. And I just made my Because the one I liked was there was a picture of her and... Um, uh, she's holding the handbag, and then it's just like, um, uh, you know, or, you know, oh, what was it? It was kind of like, um, you know, I can't even remember now. Something about like going into 2020 with no oh, worries, yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Like or all going my, into the all office my worries with my patients. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just that kind of thing. But like, you know, 2020 is going to be going to be her year, and I just mm. really, really like that. That was that was. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. That was the example of like a person going. I just saw the most amazing cartoon in the newspaper, and then I'm going to like explain it all to you. And then <laughs> I did zone out for the last. <laughs> the um, look, I I zoned out as well. <laughs> Um, I zoned back in and realised I was still talking. And I was like, okay, um, when we podcast Sorry, this, friends. can we just cut this bit no, out? No, 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 it's definitely staying. It's definitely staying. Uh, but just, uh, we, we also wanted to mention again the power from the margins. Uh, a whole day of broadcasting next week, which, so we won't be here. So luckily you don't have to listen to us telling jokes and, and ripping into each other. Um, that was a great segue, George. Yeah. That was really, really good. <laughs> um, and also to credit the artists of the posters, if you've seen the posters around, they are around the, the city, they're all over 3CR. Uh, the artist's name is Rakaya Springle. It is just, it's incredible. Check out the Instagram page. It's Glatories. And there's just, yeah, there's a whole, whole load of, 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 beautiful work it's beautiful it a beautiful, yeah beautiful piece of art so yeah so that's that's next tuesday um from 7 a.m to 7 p.m for international day of people with a disability it's being totally taken over and run by um black and indigenous people of color who are living with a disability mm-hmm. so that includes um uh pauline who wasn't able to come on this morning unfortunately to talk about um 
uh, exhibition visibility that is on this week. There's an opening night on the 27th of November. If you go to our Instagram page, yes. you'll be able to see the details. It's at, um, uh, I'm going to say it's from Wind- Windenham Art Gallery, starting from 6.30. Windham? Windham. Do you want to laugh at me? Do we need a moment to laugh? <laughs> yeah, all right, get it out, get it out. This is going out of the podcast. <laughs> this is coming out. Every week there's a word that I mispronounce. Anyway, uh, Werribee. I get that one wrong. Yeah. Okay. So, so we'll, we'll we'll repeat that again because I was utterly terrible to George. Six thirty to eight thirty p.m. this uh, Wednesday, so that's tomorrow at the Wyndham Art Gallery. Wyndham. 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 Wyndham, Anya. Yeah. Okay. All right. I believe I haven't even read the word. I just assumed that it's Wyndham. I mean, Art I said Pran for years before someone said it was actually Pran. It's not Pran. Okay, well, we can talk oh, about, we this can about this now. <laughs> yes, 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 the tables have turned. <laughs> it's not Pran. It is Pran. That's it's what Pran. Melburnians told me. It's Pran. Oh, well, yeah. uh, as the only <laughs> settler of Melburnian <laughs> in the room, <laughs> I'm pretty confident, but now, now I'm doubting myself, actually. All right. Anyway, if <laughs> listeners know, just tell us. <laughs> we yeah, can move on to bigger and we, more we can do things. We can do a full segment next week on words we can't pronounce. <laughs> Lead, led by me. Yeah. Actually, I always mispronounce my students' names, and it's usually white names, actually. Oh. One of them was Brianna, and I said Brina. Oh, judging. <laughs> I could never live that one down. <laughs> oh, no. Semester. Every time I looked at her, I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway. But, um, so, George, during yeah. that last song by Thelma Thelma Plum, uh, you said you remembered what it was you wanted yes, to speak about. Yeah, so at the brain at the, freeze. Um, yeah, at the, top, at the top of the show earlier on today, we were talking about the um, leaked um, documents that have come out of China that have underscored just really the extent of the incarceration, imprisonment and torture of the Uyghur people in China, that's taking place in China at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... Um, George, you had an interesting point to make about yes, that. Yes, and obviously not my point. It's what I, I got from an Al Jazeera program. I watched 101 East where they spoke to an academic and community, uh, a Uyghur community leader who who fled to Istanbul. His name's Abdueli Ayub. And, yeah, that program was it, – it, it gives a really good introduction to what has been going on there and the first-hand experiences of people who, who have been in these camps. And a really important point that I yeah, had the brain freeze about was that um, the Uyghur people, uh, and from this particular person's perspective, would have been happy to stay as part of China before all of this stuff happened. You know, they were like, this is, this is fine, we can be a minority in this state. Mm. Now they don't want that. And I think mm. that this speaks to a bigger point around mm. territories and, and, how, and, and sharing, um, sharing land with, with different groups of people and how in and of itself it doesn't need to be a problem, mm. but it's once you start trying to ideologically dominate and change and, you know, and this propaganda and torture, mm. you know, obviously once you go through that, then, yeah, Uyghur people are going to say, actually, no, we now want our own land mm, yeah yeah and i think that that uh, we can create so many comparisons in in, in lo- lots of places about where that and yeah. why that happens yeah if we i mean if we take it to its most extreme level um you know the uh you know the chinese government are saying that their camps in china are to try and suppress terrorism and that kind of thing and there's not really necessarily 
Um, I don't know the evidence that there is out there of there being terrorism taking place within the Chinese state mm-hmm. on the part of the weak people by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know anything about that, but it does make you think about um, how you know, radicalization of young people in countries um, that um, have a strong streak of, say, Islamophobia. And, you know, that kind of level of radicalization doesn't happen in a vacuum. It's created because people are told, you're not one of us. And we, you're not allowed to be yourself you're not allowed to build a connection in community Mm -hmm. either your community isn't wanted or you're not wanted in the broader community yeah and it's it's you know that's that's where it all comes from once you start putting pressure on people they're going to push back and from the dominant group the rhetoric is always but they don't want to be part of this yeah Mm -hmm. they're not trying to be part of this culture yeah you know we always hear that yeah Mm -hmm. but in reality nationalism and and um, power only exists when there are the disempowered Absolutely. and there are the people outside of the group. Yeah. And that's the only way that the group can exist. Yes. And coming back to what Dr. Nira Kandasamy was talking about, because I think this is totally relevant to what's mm. happening with what's happening in Sri Lanka. It is, again, with the Tamil minority who have never been properly represented in the government as a result of colonial rule, mm. leaving the, the Sinhalese people in power. They were never represented in government. And that's why they're, you know, that's why we have Tamil, a lot of Tamil refugees in Australia. Mm. But uh, they would say the same thing. You know, we, mm. we, we want, we need our own space. Yeah. We can't do this. It would be really interesting to see how um, this plays out in Hong Kong as well. As you're talking, I just keep thinking about how Hong Kong has existed in a state of peace for such a long time, but now that they've realised sort of constraints on them from mainland China, they're pushing back, and I just it would be interesting to see how far they push back and if they will also end up pushing for a yeah for a separation of state or something. Yeah, that yeah definitely. Mm. And I guess ultimately, territories. Arbitrary. Mm. It doesn't make any sense. Mm. And we're seeing these tensions happening all over the world mm-hmm. as a result of that, as a result of these arbitrary territories, mm. territorial boundaries that were established mostly by colonizers. Yeah. And then, and then we're like, well, why is the world in the in the state that it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because this isn't supposed to be. You know, this doesn't make sense. Absolutely. And we've mm. seen this happen time and time again throughout throughout history, yeah. I suppose. And we just don't seem to learn our lessons from it. Mm. So. I guess we should thank all of our guests today. Mm. Absolutely. Thank you to Dr. Nira Kandasamy who came on to speak to us about what's been going on in Sri Lanka. Really important information there. Mm. Thank you to Swati from the Vermilion Project about advocating for workers with menstrual illnesses. Thank you to Sabrina from the Drum Youth Services talking about her experience as a peer leader and all the great work that they do. Yeah. And see you in December. Yes, because you won't see, you won't hear us next week. Yeah. Thank goodness but for tune you. tune in. Tune in, please tune in. It's, it's going to be spectacular. I cannot wait to listen in. We're so looking forward to Power from the Margins, curated by Pauline Vicuna for International Day of People with a Disability. That's next Tuesday, the 3rd of December. It starts at 7 a.m. It goes to 7 p.m. Everything's going to be amazing. Mm-hmm. Please tune in for that. And we will see you in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks so much.